Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Ginny. And we are, and we are the, the Irreverends. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. Happy New Year. And happy Epiphany now. Right. Right. Yay. Yay. Um, so what should we say? Uh, well, well. <laughs> what do I feel like needs to be said about Epiphany since we didn't do an Epiphany episode? That we don't know how many wise men. We don't know how long it took for them to get there. We only know the three gifts that were listed. That's right. And we don't actually have their names. So that whole thing, if you're feeling really proud of yourself about... Oh, don't don't the- take away the chalking of the, the doors up from us, Jenny. Come on, just... Oh, no, I'm not. Okay. But like, if you if you think you know the guy's names... Casper, Melchior, or Balthazar? Right. Yeah. Yay you. You're a nerd. Winner. But we have no idea who they are. Yeah. We don't know how many there are. And... So the fact that we like conflate them in a Christmas pageant and is is for Christmas pageant's sake. Yeah. But this year we had a fireman who came in with the wise men. Oh. It was it cool. was amazing. It was adorable. We had a funeral for a fireman on this last Saturday. Seven hundred and fifty oh. people came. It was amazing. Holy moly. It was a testament to a life well lived. And he was apparently quite a wise man. So Yeah, yeah you stole my thunder on my uh poignant christmas story oh Thanks, sorry Tim. about that well all right um didn't mean to be debbie well, god Danner, bless him actually it was a great time good you know did they have like the all the fire trucks outside with like, yeah, their ladders? Nine yards. oh my yeah. god oh was, my god it was that, cool well that's beautiful yeah. hey do hey. we have any actually i know we have a we struggle. do in fact have real. a struggle is real and the struggle is real comes from heather heather love heather, heather. hey heather Hi, Heather. Thanks for writing in. Mm-hmm. Heather wrote in about a struggle she had over the, the holidays. It was the first weekend that she was spending without her family, with her husband's family. And they, her husband's family is Catholic. And so they went to the Catholic Mass, where Heather was not welcome to receive communion because unlike because in the Episcopal Church... In the, unlike the Episcopal Church, where you're free to receive communion if you've been baptized according to the rubrics, in the Catholic Church, if you are not a member of the Catholic Church, you may not receive communion. Member and, of the Catholic Church in good standing. Yeah, and so Which she means you've had a recent confession, confession, and such. Right, right. So, so really, Heather was feeling the the weight of merging families and balancing traditions, and how hard that can be. And yeah, that struggle is a real struggle. So I think this presents not only when you're a newlywed couple, as they are, where she said this was her first Christmas. I mean, I know them because I officiated their wedding, where it's not only when you're a newlywed couple, but any time a big dynamic changes in a family. This happens so often. We talked about this when our listener Carol talked to us about experiencing the holidays the first one after her husband had died and, and he died at the age of 90 something. When there's any big change in the family, so a shift where there's a baby or where people have started getting married or in my particular household, people coming in. So our son, our older son and his girlfriend. And how do you begin to incorporate new people? Or last year, he didn't get much time off because he was out of college in his first job. So when... When the makeup of a family changes at any big life event, these 
things come and partly what you realize is all the emotional weight you've given to your family's traditions and what they mean to you. Yeah, totally. And, and it can be devastating. Yeah. And so one thing is I want to say, like, I hear you. You know, I'm a mother who last year Mikey only had a few days with us be before he had to go back to work. And we're a small family and it's hard. But I also want to say part of taking the plunge and the leap into new life, which is what Christmas invites us to, is adjusting our expectations and building new traditions and finding ways to be with the people you love in new ways. Yeah. It's hard, but it is part of finding new life. And new life comes with labor, you know, it's, it's not easy, even the happy ones. Yeah. And we are Christians and therefore we are resurrection people, but in order to have res resurrection, some things have to die. Right. And that is really, really painful. And sometimes it the is. pain comes from your, from the outside forces, like your parents. Mm-hmm. Or your kids, when like you decide to let a tradition go, and then the kids are like, "What do you mean you're not getting a tree this year?" Or you know, whatever. It's um, sort of expectations are everything, and rediscovering what really matters takes courage, and and I just encourage everybody in every phase of sort of that Christmas paradigm of new life and something new coming from the dark and coming from an unexpected place to just be open to see where there's life coming. And sometimes it's because you hear crying. Mm. And, and sometimes it's death. But there is always new life and it takes courage. And sometimes takes time. Yeah. So the struggle is real. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. How about we take a look at the readings? This week is the baptism of our Lord. And the first reading comes <laughs> from... It's not. Yeah, exactly. The first reading is uh, not the baptism. No. The first, the first reading... Yeah. Is the first servant song actually from uh, Isaiah? Because why would we read anyone else in the Hebrew Bible these days except Isaiah? Well, there's a reason why the patristics, the early church fathers, sometimes referred to Isaiah as the fifth gospel. Because it's Isaiah that has the this whole center part of Isaiah. Yeah, the has servant, the, whole, the messianic servant. Exactly the the. So. The stuff that we see, when we use the colloquial understanding of the word prophetic, meaning like fortune-telling, which is not mm, what it meant. Not what it meant at all. We see the, the fortune-telling of a Messiah coming. And really it was, a pro prophetic texts means God's word. God is speaking. Mm -hmm. And people speaking on God's behalf. And... The words of Isaiah are just so beautiful and, and, and familiar, but familiar now to us as Christians because 
we found Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, would you like to read, Tim, or do you want me to read? I, I really don't I'll remember. Read. All right. I'll read. All right. Okay, then. So this is from Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. We'll see if Jenny's quiet. Yep. I'm not, and I will try not to make fun of you if you have any mistakes. Although, looking, making a quick look through it looks good. Yeah. I don't think there's right. too much I can mess up, and now I just doomed myself. Now you're, so. of course. I know. <laughs> I'm just going to put right. my mute button on over here I'm, and have a sip I'm of gonna, my tea. I'm going to start now, Jenny. Is that okay? All right. I'm going to put on my mute okay. button and have a sip of my tea. All right. Here we go. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And here ends the reading. Wow, that line, see the Are you still things. muted? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Tim, can I ever really be muted? No. Can you hear Fair me? Fair enough. <laughs> can you hear me now? So, yeah. All right. Um, so that line, see the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. Remind me of what we just said about Heather's struggle. The former yeah. things have come to pass and new things I now declare. That is a pattern of God from the beginning of Genesis all the way through. All the way. All the way. You f- and you find that pattern in nature. You find it everywhere. You find it in relationships. You find it everywhere. Old things will pass, but there will always be a new thing. So anyway, shall we move on? What else do you see? What do you see? The thing that stands out to me in this is the portion about a bruised reed he will not break. Mm-hmm. Uh, dimly burning wick he will not yeah. quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Just the kind of tender care yeah. for things that is incorporated in, in the thought of that. That, you know, all these things that other people would discard or discount. Or carelessly. will sustain. Just, yeah. Yeah. He will sustain. So, clearly, this is a picture that's being painted in contrast to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And he will faithfully bring forth justice. That whole picture, like from what you just said, a bruised reed, he will not break a dimly burning wick, he will not quench, 
he will faithfully bring forth justice makes me think that little set of lines makes me think that what he is prophesying about and against if you will is somebody who just carelessly just carelessly tramples tramples down crushes carelessly And, and this this portion comes from from Deutero Isaiah, so the second portion which of the scroll of is Isaiah. is not the same as utero Isaiah, which is what I always think. Always say. Yeah. And so this is this is from the middle portion, uh, and this was written in, around, and might maybe just slightly after the Babylonian captivity. So at this point in time, you have the people of the Beltway of ancient Judea <laughs> in... In exile in Babylon. Washington insider. Yeah, yeah. I did, and and so um, it it doesn't take much to consider that maybe perhaps this is Nebuchadnezzar the the king of the Babylonians, or or it could also be referring to the kings of Israel, the kings of Judea that had allowed. That would allow this to happen. By their faithlessness. Well, that one comes from the second little set here. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. Makes me think that somebody that they're referring to made a half-assed effort, which makes me think it could be the kings of Judea, Mm -hmm. who, who made a show, at least, of trying to help and really were not... Made, made a mess of it yeah. because they were being political in the background. And... Right. So you know what else I hear in this? I hear a lot of nature. Yeah. Um, Antilius has established... Oh, so first we have the bruised reed. Um, he will not grow faint until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. And then the Lord God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it. Mm-hmm. This just also reminds me that these were a people who always saw creation as part of something that, I say creation, who always saw nature as something that God created and that also had yeah. value. And that could reflect God's glory and could respond to God. So there's not, so many. Not could, did. Did. Did reflect right. God's the glory. The mountains quake at his presence and right. the wind and the fire. And, and, and that's, we have and that's lost that. super, super Jewish because, you know, in, in the, the Jewish way of thinking, all that is is what is created. Yes. Right. right. People and we, are. We go in, we go in for this uh, later Greek dualistic thought that separates spiritual from material from physical, right and spiritual is good material is bad and you have the whole platonic thing with the the realm of forms the forms are good and everything else is a really cheap knockoff and <laughs> that's the that's the thought right. and so well, you have just this this con- this concept doesn't exist in Judaism well, and the spirit and the material are, are all of a good. piece. Yeah. Well, and there's another sort of strain of Christianity that focuses so heavily on the the passages in Genesis about God saying that our role was to subdue the earth, as if that means 
yeah. we get that subdue uh, is the our, same thing as our, exploit and our destroy. Role, our role is actually to be gardeners, you to know, be stewards. and take care of it. So right, and so I just think that that just that sort of celebration of nature yeah. as God speaks through it, it responds. Yeah. It's just so beautiful, and it's something yeah, that so much of Christianity has lost. Just, that we are the, the ones the, who break all that the God country. has created. All that God has created is a testament to God's goodness. Yeah, and we and we're the ones that mess it up. As and we sit here while you know, like a quarter of Australia is burning. I know, it's because of global climate change. Well, so, and we have to go all the way to Colorado to find snow. Except actually, this afternoon inside the beltway it's snowing but got a little bit um yeah we're the ones who are walking through bruising the reeds and quenching wicks um so what what else so we've we've talked you can you can see why this is in here you can see how you know anybody who is at the beginning of the church would read this this being the scriptures that they had available they didn't have the Gospels written down right. or any of Paul's letters or anything yeah, collected this was and all their that Bible. stuff. This was their Bible. And this so clearly points to the way that Jesus is that it's no wonder He's why Isaiah gentle. is the fifth He's, Gospel. Yes. He's gentle. He lifts up the lowly. He he does not rest until there's justice. Um yeah. Yeah, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. You know what this also made me think of? It made me think of, thank God, thank God, thank God. And though, remember, I was a criminal defense attorney before I was a priest. Thank God we as a culture are looking at prison reform and the, um, and the um, pipeline of African-American people to prison. And you know what we forget is that the Bible is full of things saying we are to visit the prisoners. Jesus visited the prisoners. And look at this. To release the to prisoners, to claim the, the year of the Lord's favor, yes. all of that. To bring the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. This is a realization that often the people who are in prison are the ones that the ruling people the ruling culture the ruling powers just want out of the way yeah and and it doesn't but it doesn't even make that distinction when jesus says set the prisoners free and and all of that like he isn't saying the ones that aren't guilty he isn't saying um you know be careful about who you release from the prisons it's an awareness that often people are in prison to suit those in power and I just really and, saw this, yeah. and I'm grateful and it's also, we're, we're talking about it. Right, and it's also a foreshadowing of the Anastasis, the the release of the souls from hell. When when Jesus releases them from hell, it's like they, the ancient stories and the icons you see of that, where he's lifting Adam and Eve both out of right. the, out of the the depths at once, and so I'm know, familiar it's, it's with all that. about restoring. It's all about restoring creation to its unified wholeness right. 
where everybody is free and fulfilling their purpose. Um, freedom is itself healing. And mm. I was just listening to a podcast today. It was a repeat of something in the past, but it was, um, it was talking about ways to keep young kids from um, giving them some tools for how, when they are confronted with violence, how not to respond with violence. When I say young kids, I mean teenagers. And it was amazing, these interviews with these young teenagers, how freed they felt when they were just given a few tools for taking some time to think and to breathe, when they were trusted by their friends, when they, when they had an adult who listened to them and believed in them. I mean, by the end of the interviews with these kids, they were laughing and they were lighthearted. Yeah. It's like their souls had been set free. I mean, there really was freedom. And, and if we don't see that we have allowed great portions of our population to be imprisoned, whether or not they're in jail, to be imprisoned by poverty, by gun violence, by hopelessness, by sh crappy schools. By economics. Yes. And it serves us. I mean, mm -hmm. and the Messiah will set us free, will set all of them free from that. And it's beautiful. And not only that, he'll take care of everybody that's bruised by it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Boy, isn't that important, Tim? The people who are afraid of it. Shall we go it. to... Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, shall we move on to the uh, gospel and see if the gospel has anything interesting to say? I today? think we ought to. All right. Let me uh, read. This is from the gospel of Matthew. Chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And there endeth Matthew's version of the gospel, I mean, of the uh, baptism of Jesus. So, Tim, in the Greek, are the pronouns as confused as they are here, where you really have to keep track of it? Who is consenting? Who is hearing? Who is... Um... Yeah, you can't, you can't necessarily see it very clearly in the English can you yeah I mean um, I, I honestly don't know I didn't do a, I didn't do a Greek study in so, preparation so 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 here's the English then he consented he pretty much meaning clearly meaning John 
because Jesus yeah. and John were John was saying, I don't think I should baptize you, you should baptize me. And then eventually John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, so clearly that's still Jesus, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God. I think all those he's are Jesus. But so I guess Matthew's gospel, it seems like John doesn't hear any of it. But I think, is it, uh, Mark is probably vague. Luke, I think, makes it seem as if John heard it. They're different. So Matthew, Mark, and John all have have um, depictions of the baptism. And John, it's implied. But I've just always wondered, and I know we talked about this with John. Did John hear this or did only Jesus hear it? And this one makes it seem like only Jesus heard it. Well, it's interesting, actually. I, I just pulled some stuff up to look at the uh the manuscript and um you have a maybe inserted uh toe and two in here that so um it doesn't look like it's necessarily agreed amongst the manuscripts in terms of the pronoun so in some of it it's assumed and the pronoun doesn't mm-hmm. actually exist there so, but still, just looking at it doesn't doesn't necessarily look on the surface very clearly well, if it's Jesus or John because they're both. Well, and when you look at what God said, it sounds like God is not speaking just to Jesus with no one else hearing. Yeah, it sounds. I think, more I think like you a could assume. I could assume. I think you could assume it's it's either Jesus or John or mm-hmm. both. I think it, it might even be purposefully vague. Yeah, but I mean, I think we're invited. I don't know why this matters to me so much, except, you know, we've talked about that scene where John's in prison and he says, are you the one to come or is there another? Or should we wait for another? Yeah, you know, so, I mean, it matters to me for that because I feel like in my own moments of doubt, I feel, I feel, I guess my more comforted if John did hear it. Um, But. But I also sort of wonder, because if other people heard this, I feel like it's more like one of those things in the Bible when there's a, a rhetorical yeah. question and it's not answered. It's like the question echoes across time and invites us mm-hmm. to ask it for ourselves. In some ways, if God said this so that other people could hear it, although we've got it in the text and Jesus isn't the narrator, but whatever... Um, and in and in another in another the versions people feel like they heard thunder, thunder. right um, so I I it invites us there are times in my pastoral care with other people where I will say or in a funeral or something that you were God's beloved child in whom God is well pleased like I think this phrasing is meant to also echo across time for the rest of us. Yeah, and that's what Jesus came for is to is is through through his life, death, and resurrection. We are adopted. Adopt us. Right. Adopt us into the, the children of God. And so. so I think that's why it sort of matters to me because mm. I want this to be something that people have heard and that has echoed through time to come to our ears to be about us. That mm. really. We are God's beloved children in whom God is well pleased. And as children, that doesn't mean that God is delighted in everything we do. But it does still mean that 
we are good and we are deeply loved. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean God would wish us to be our best selves. I mean, it got as a parent. I, I still wouldn't yeah. Wish for us I, to be. I suddenly found myself entangled in that sentence with too many qualifiers. Um, <laughs> I got was all tangled up. As a parent, I still want my children to be their best selves. But yeah, I am well pleased. But but you're gonna love them no oh, matter what. Oh my God, yes. And yeah. I think one thing that made a big difference for me in my experience of allowing myself to understand God's love for us was becoming a parent, which I understand not everybody gets to or wants to, Mm -hmm. but the way that I love my children helped me understand better this idea of just fully and deeply loving you as a good miracle, just flesh of my own flesh. Um, Mm -hmm. And how different that is from what I think about your behavior on any given day. (laughs) i love you i do not like it when you hit your brother and that's not even the same thing as love the sinner hate the sin i mean it's i love you and completely accept accept you but you cannot hurt your brother yeah and i will separate you you know um yeah you know as i've been reading through this the thing that's stuck out to me um has been how water plays a part in all the beginnings of all the great stories Oh so my gosh. like the beginning at the beginning of Genesis, yeah. you know, the wind sweeps out from God over the, over the chaos, know, the waters. face of the waters, yeah. you know, and it's not until day two that land even comes up. Is it day two or day three? I yeah, can't remember, I remember. that man. Um, but at first it's just water. Yeah. And, and Noah, then when, yeah, Noah, which is the recreation right. of creation, then crossing the Jordan, and the, yep. the very river in which Jesus is now being baptized, crossing into a yep. new kingdom, yep. and the, the uh, Exodus crossing through the, red, the waters of the Red Sea. How how water plays such well, an integral, like almost uh, archetypal well, and, part. And one of my favorite stories is the guy who had been by the well for 38 years, the one that Oh, uh, the pools of Bethesda. Yeah, where, yeah. where the legend... Not not Maryland, no, mind you, but... Bethsaida in... Yeah, but if it wasn't Bethesda, yeah, I would have Bethesda. been there today. Um, yeah. I drove through Bethesda, but um, in the snow, no doubt. But where the legend was, if you were the first person in the water after, quote, the angel stirred up the water... Stirred up. you would be healed. Yeah, after it was rippled. Um, yeah. Yeah, so even the waters had healing properties. Just were thought to so i i'm sure tim it is archetypal it must in a desert climate certainly yeah well not even in a desert climate think about ireland with all the magic wells they have all over the place that are like bridget's wells or patrick's wells or all those places you know like springs there's something in human nature that uh that holds this beginning well or new beginning or recreation because it's life Right. I mean, we can yeah. we can live without food much longer than we can live without life. I mean, without without um, so it's, water. And so it's just striking to me that the. Yeah. Rebeginning, the rebeginning of somebody in a life in God and a life in the body of Christ comes through. Well, water. And even a birth comes through water. Let me say that, you know, yeah. it is very primal. So I wonder I mean, it is archetypal, but it's not just myth- mythological. 
No. Um, so for those who are looking for new beginnings or a glimmer of new life somewhere, don't miss out on trying to see if you hear the sound of water somewhere, if there's water involved in it. It might not necessarily, hmm. but it's not just a symbolic thing and it's not just mythological. It's real. You know, like, you know this because you were a shepherd for a summer, you and your brothers, but that like sheep yeah. are, are afraid of the sound of rushing water. They're of, of rushing right. water, but that, which is why, which is why you lead them by still right. waters. In and Psalm you can understand that, so. that rushing water, if you don't see very well, or if your vision or is if you, meant, you, you can only see out the yes, sides. If your vision is peripheral. Yeah. You, you can't, can't see ahead your of yourself. Rushing water is a danger to you. Whereas humans often, set, even ancient humans, often set up their settlements by rivers because they had understood by then that drinking pools of still water would make them sick and that rushing yeah. water was healthier. So, I mean, there's something real to this and it's fascinating. And I have to say new life is coming to my family this weekend because we're going to Colorado skiing. And of course that involves water. Yeah. I uh, I get to do my first adult baptism this <gasps> Yay! Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, great. One of, one of one of the people that came on the pilgrimage I led to uh, Turkey and Greece in the footsteps of Saint Paul. She came essentially from the standpoint of it being something of a an interesting trip or a vacation. <laughs> but sorry, did I say okay, that? We, we start we started talking. We started talking, and she found mm-hmm. Jesus. So. Oh, that's yeah. so. It's pretty exciting. Um, One of my first adult baptisms was a young woman whose godparents were college friends of hers. Mm. And that was just, oh my God, that was just so meaningful. And now she's married and we're baptizing her daughter, Ella, soon. Um, We were going to try to do it this Sunday, but they couldn't do it this Sunday because this Sunday is such a great one for baptisms. So yay. Yay, God. Totally. Yeah. All right. Shall we do Electio? Let's do it. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. What sticks out to me is whom I uphold. Mm, Say more. The, I think, I think talking about the, the primordial archetypal water and everything that God then created out of the chaos of it all maybe is stirring this up in me, that God creates and upholds all things, mm-hmm. including us. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, when you use the word primordial in the chaos waters, I mean, really, that's what the Hebrew is intended to, to be evocative yeah. of, is the primordial deep, the the chaos and the darkness, just the most tumultuous, yeah, the most yeah. tumultuous thing we could imagine. And God upholds us. God is present in that. It's beautiful. So the phrase in whom my soul delights, hmm. God, that just, it's like that phrase almost comes with sparkles and fireworks and little balloons, you know, like, like, um, before they had those little emoji things on your phones. Um, it, it sings to me almost. The idea that God's soul delights is so contrary to the image most of us um, grow up with, with God. of God on the judgment oh, yeah, seat. Yeah, the long-haired guy who looks like um, 
Dumbledore, who's who's just waiting to kill us all, to smite us all. Yeah. That this is a God who delights, and he delights in us. And it made me wonder how often I let my soul delight, and how vulnerable hmm. a thing it is to delight. That hmm. sometimes you can't help it. But delight is a fleeting thing. And you know that. And yet you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that also brings me back to the amazingness of God wanting to interact with humans and wanting to come live among us. That, yeah. that to delight is fleeting. To love is eternal, but to delight is fleeting. And, you know... And to uphold is constant work. Oh, my God. And, yeah, those two things together tell us who God is. It's it's profoundly moving to me. I'm really glad we looked at this. So what's what's your prayer, your blessing? My blessing, well, I guess my prayer is that everybody who's listening is able to recognize this in themselves, that God upholds them and delights in them, even even when they cannot delight in, delight in themselves, mm. which all too, which happens yeah. a lot for whatever reason, particularly it seems like nowadays. But there's that delight and that sustaining. And take a moment to just breathe that in. That's amazing. It's life-changing if you, if you can let it in. Yeah. So my blessing is for all of those who are doing the work of justice, mm. environmental justice or prison justice, or immigration justice, or even just any of it. It is hard work. Mm. And so often you do not see progress in your lifetime or or it's just moments, you know, like it's something fleeting and when and this and it's a daily slog. But you are on the side of angels. You're not just on the side And you're being upheld yeah, in it. You're not just on the side of angels. You are on the side of God of the big scheme of things, which is about bringing justice and wholeness. And I am grateful Mm. to you and I'm inspired by you. And I join you when I can, when I have the courage and Mm. yay you. So, yeah. Amen. All right. So, um, Hey, leave us a review on iTunes and tell a friend. Seriously. The more you review us, the more reviews we get, the more people can hear right. us. Because there are, there are formulas, algorithms. So if we get more ratings, more reviews, more shares, more people will hear us. And we think this is valuable. And we think you think it's valuable too. So if you do, share it with a friend. Yeah. Please. So hey, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.